tell a story that some of you may remember about a friend of hers who took her mom, or his mom, to uh, one of these healing services, uh, you know, kind of like the TV evangelist. And the evangelist got the, the crowd all whipped up with emotion. And he, he brought uh, some people out in wheelchairs and he told them that they were well and they, they stood up and walked. And he brought somebody out who had a hard time hearing and touched his ears and, and uh, they could hear. And then he turned to the congregation and he said, now a lot of you are struggling with eyesight. Jesus wants to give you a perfect vision. Get rid of those demon glasses, those demon spectacles. And people in the crowd began throwing their glasses up on the stage. All kinds of people threw their glasses up on the stage. As did my friends, or Lynn's friend's mother. Well, the service came to an end, and, and the, the, uh, the son noticed that his mom was just staring straight ahead, not, not saying anything. Everybody's kind of filing out. She's just standing there. Mom, it's time to go. She didn't say anything. She just stared straight ahead. He said, Mom, what's wrong? And then through clenched teeth, she said, can't see a darn thing. Got to go get my demon spectacles. <laughs> now, unfortunately, you all, when we talk about healing and wholeness, it's that sort of image that clouds our mind and confuses us about what Scripture really teaches so this morning, what I want to do is I want to try to point you to some things in Scripture, and I want to try to give us a different picture, a different way of thinking about this whole ministry of, of health and healing. Now you know, like I know, that Jesus' ministry was filled with amazing miracles of healing. I mean, you, you read the Gospels, and especially the early parts of the Gospels, it's like one chapter of another. Uh, somebody's healed of an illness and overcome pain. Somebody else is freed from seizures or paralysis. I mean, somebody else who's been excluded from God's temple is brought in and, and made well. God, it seems like Jesus just heals wherever he goes. And because of that, crowds of people followed him. So in Capernaum, there is a story in Scripture where on the Sabbath day, there was a man um, in the synagogue worship and... Uh, he had a demon, is what the scripture says. Perhaps that was uh, mental illness. We don't actually know, but Jesus makes him well. Later in the afternoon, Peter says, Jesus, come to my house. He brings Jesus to his house where his mother-in-law is sick and in bed, and he touches her, makes her well. She gets up and prepares a meal for them. That, that night, people, word is spread, and all kinds of people show up at the door to Peter's house. All kinds of people with all kinds of needs. Now you'd think, J Jesus worked all day. He'd been involved with people all day. Surely he was worn out. Surely he was tired of them. Does he go away? Does he, does he say, you guys get out of here. I don't want to deal with you. No. He wades into all this humanity and he heals and he helps them. And there are all kinds of needs to which he responded because Look, there are all kinds of ways we need healing. I mean, certainly, there are those of us that need physical healing. There are some that need emotional healing. Some of us are, are struggling with brokenness in our relationships. And we need healing. Some of us need healing in our financial life. Some of us are anxious and worried, and we don't actually know why we need healing. And this time of year, oh my goodness, this time of year, so many of us have lost loved ones and friends 
Sometimes it's actually hard to celebrate the holidays. And we need a healing like that as well. Jesus heals all kinds of things. And so Matthew, when he thinks about Jesus, remembers what Jesus said. And I want you to actually read it with me. It's printed in your bulletin this morning. The words of Jesus from Matthew 11, the top of the second page. Join me now. Come, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. Can you say that? All right, let's try again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, the next day after Capernaum, Jesus prays and he said, look, we've got to go to the next town and do this all over again and to do this all over again. Jesus cares for people. Peter, writing about Jesus in a letter to other Christians, says, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Jesus does. But here's the thing I want you to get. This ministry of healing that Jesus exhibited and lived in his own life is that same ministry that we are called to do. Jesus entrusted this ministry, this same ministry of healing and wholeness, not to, not to holy people, not to special people. He entrusted it to ordinary folks like you and me to do what he did. And so... Right after Jesus' resurrection, right after the day of Pentecost, we have this story of Peter and John healing a man who was outside the temple gate. And you think about it. Peter. Peter is, is a part of this, right? You remember Peter denied Jesus. You remember Peter was always running off in the wrong direction. And yet Jesus is working through him. So you, you remember that, that after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, that the early disciples often met um, in the courts of the temple, and they would worship there. And so one afternoon, Peter and John are going up to this temple at the time of prayer. And on the way, just outside the temple gate, they encounter this man who is begging, this man who is disabled. Now you might say, why was he outside the gate? Because in ancient times, if someone were sick, if someone were disabled, if someone had a physical dis disformity, if someone uh, you know, had a disease like leprosy, they were thought to have sinned. That somehow they had sinned, and so they were excluded from being a part of the temple of God. They couldn't come in. This guy's outside for that reason. And, and he's been sitting there. Every day since he was a little child, he was born disabled. This is his place. This is his place where he sits and he begs for money. He's like that, that homeless person that you and I see on the same corner, in the same place, every day, day after day, week after week. We had some folks like that in Chattanooga. There was a man and woman, and she was in a wheelchair. He was uh, the one always pushing her, set up right outside of Walgreens, 
had a little sign that said, Homeless, please help, God bless. And I know how it is. I mean, it's easy to get cynical about folks like that and think, well, you know, they're, they're just running a scam. And there were people in our community that, that thought that, but, but I've had the opportunity to, to actually talk with some homeless folks and to get to know them a little bit. And I can tell you that very often people who find themselves homeless are homeless for, for circumstances often beyond their own control. And they find themselves in situations that they don't know to handle, how to handle. In fact, there was an interview with a guy who was homeless recently, and he said, you know, if you see somebody on a corner, it's because, in that same corner, day after day, it's because the people of the community are okay with that, the business is okay with that, and they're probably able to get the help they need. He said, if you think uh, that panhandling is easy, he said, no, he said, it's difficult, and he said, the worst is, it's demeaning. Isn't it interesting? That this guy who was outside the gate at the temple did not actually look at Peter and John as he asked them for alms. He wasn't looking at them. I just wonder how many times had people kicked dust in his face? How many times had people just bustled right on by and ignored his, his cries for help? How many times? And how Demean must he have felt. He didn't look at them. But the Bible says that Peter looked at him, that John looked at him, and they said, look at us, look straight at us. It's almost as if what Peter wants this man to know is that he sees this man as a human being, that he cares for this man, that he's interested in him, and that God whom he represents is interested in as well. And then what happens? Peter does what Jesus did. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man is well. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But this sort of thing happened time and time again in Scripture. Not just with Jesus, but it happened with other people as well. Those who were Jesus' followers. It happens in history. Uh, the, the great church leader Irenaeus, writing in the late 100s, talks about how, uh, how laying on of hands, praying for people, brings healing. Origen, one of the other great leaders, says that there were many cures in the name of Jesus. That Jesus' name takes away diseases. Augustine, writing in the late 300s, says, uh, gives example after example. Blindness is healed. Breast cancer is healed. Gout is healed. And he describes these healings in his writings in, in amazing kind of details. And listen, answers to prayer like that happen today, don't they? I mean, in this congregation. I asked Joyce if I could say this, you know. We've been praying for Joyce's daughter, Christy with her cancer. Christy is cancer-free, friends. She's cancer-free. Praise God for that. I mean, that doesn't mean that life is easy for her now. She's still struggling with some of the side effects of the treatments. But we've had an amazing answer to prayer. We had an amazing answer to prayer a few weeks ago with uh, Joe's son, Brett, and uh, daughter-in-law, Becky. You remember 
They were trapped in Israel at the time of the beginning of the war. And people were praying fervently for them. They found a way out. They got free. That was an answer to prayer. And right now, our friend Emily Owens is really, really struggling. She's had a very difficult time. But I want you to think, I want you to remember how many times Emily was at a crisis point and we prayed and there were some amazing answers to prayer all along the way. What Jesus wants us to do is pray. Jesus wants us to pray in His name for the wholeness and healing that people need. Come to me, he says, all of you labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And yet if you're like me, you don't pray. Certainly not as much as you know you should. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray as a church? Why don't we pray? Why don't we have services like this more often? Why don't, why don't we, when a neighbor comes to us and says, you know, I've got this illness or I'm having this difficulty, why don't we pray with them right there and then? We say, oh, I'll pray for you later, but why don't we pray with them right there and then with the personal touch? That's how Jesus prayed with people. Why don't we pray like that? Well, probably a lot of reasons. One might have to do with that story I told at the beginning. We've been soured by some pretty terrible examples, some bad things that have happened. Sometimes I think we feel inadequate. We think, oh, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. It's only the pastor or the priest or, you know, some holy person who can do that. <laughs> I just say, you look at Peter. Look at Peter. Peter was the most messed up guy there ever was, and yet God used him. God worked through him. Sometimes I think we doubt. Just doubt. Doubt just kind of gets in our mind. You know that old story about doubt, this, this mountain climber climbing up the mountain, his rope breaks, and and he's falling down, and he happens to grab hold of this little vine that's sticking out. And, and uh, you know, he looks down, it's, it's 500 feet down to jagged rocks, and he's got another 100 feet to go. He doesn't know what he's going to do, so he prays. But he prays a very simple prayer. God, if you are up there, please help me. And all of a sudden, there's this voice. This is God. I will help you. He says, God, please, please get me out of here, please. God says, well, you're going to have to trust me. Okay, God, I'll trust you. God says, let go, and I'll catch you. Trust me. And the guy looks down 500 feet. He looks up. He says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, we die, right? But I think the main reason, the main reason we don't pray is that we have prayed. And we've got a backlog of what we consider to be unanswered prayers, right? I mean, I told you a couple of weeks ago about my father-in-law getting multiple myeloma cancer. How I got up early, prayed and prayed and prayed, two hours before work, praying for this. And how wonderful it was when at first it seemed everything was going great. And then in a few days, everything went south and he died. I want you to know that my faith, my faith really struggled at that point. I was, I, I was a pastor at this point, but I really struggled. And for the longest time, I, I felt disappointed in God. I felt, God, I, I don't know what to make of this. We prayed, but nothing happened. And so often we do that. We, we pray and we look around and we can't see that, that God has responded in any kind of way. 
how do we make sense of this? Well, I think we've got to have the bigger picture. We've got to think about the kingdom of God. The kingdom that Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God, is the, the sphere of God's influence. It's where God, God invades our world and God transforms our world to make it the way it originally was intended to be. The way it will be at the end of time when God renews all things. When Jesus came at his birth at Christmas, he brought a beginning of God's kingdom through his teaching, through his healing, through the way he went out to, to grab those who had given up on God and to bring them in. Jesus brought the way God intended things to be and had a beginning of God's kingdom and that kingdom continues at work in God's church through God's people, through ordinary folks like, like you and me who love Jesus Christ. That kingdom continues. But listen, it's obvious it's not complete yet, is it? It's obvious we're, we're still living in a sinful and broken world. It's, it's obvious that only when Christ comes again at the end of time is this world going to finally be remade the way God originally intended? And all that's wrong will be made new, and all that's injustice will be taken away, and there will be healing, and there will be hope, and there will be no more crying or pain or suffering or hurt. But right now, we're in the middle of things. And sometimes when we pray, we see things happen exactly as we have longed for and hoped for. Exactly as God desires. And other times, we don't. But when we pray and things happen, it's like getting a little foretaste of what's ahead. You know, in a few weeks, you know, we'll be in the dead of winter, right? And uh, December and January and February is going to be cold as can be and rainy and messy and yucky. And then maybe toward the end of February, we're going to see the temperature bump up one day and the sun's going to come out and everybody will get out their shorts and the birds will start singing and we'll think, oh, spring is about to be here. And then the next day it will snow or hail will come. It'll be, it'll be freezing again. And then in then a couple of days, maybe we'll get another little, little bump. Sunshine. Oh, it's coming. It's spring is coming. And then the cold will come. All of those are little foretastes. They, they give us an idea of what's ahead. So when we pray and we see God answer our prayers in amazing ways, that's, that's a foretaste of what we have to look forward to in God's ultimate kingdom. That's the future. That's ahead. So when we pray, you know, sometimes we pray and, and amazing things do happen, but sometimes we pray and, and it seems like nothing happens. But I want to tell you, that's not how it is because every time we pray, no matter whether we get the answer we want, but every time we pray, God's presence is felt. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. So let me tell you a story. My friend Dave Colbertson did not grow up in church. In his mid-30s, he had no real faith. He didn't like to go to church. He was married, he and his wife, Cheryl, and they wanted more than anything to have a little son, a little boy, a little child. 
But like a lot of young couples, they were struggling with infertility. They couldn't get pregnant. And uh, it, was, it was really messing with Cheryl. It was, it was affecting her, her sense of self-worth. It was affecting her whole being. Well, we were a part, Lynn and I were a part of our church, a new church that was being started. And some friends in our church invited Dave and Cheryl to come to the new church. Now, Dave wasn't going to go no matter what. He said, I had church at home in bed between the sheets. But Cheryl came. And she got involved in church. And she came on Wednesday nights to this Bible study we had. And, and you know what she was praying the whole time? God, I want a child. God, please, let us get pregnant. God, I want a little child. But the more she prayed, the less she felt God was answering her prayers. They said she became bitter. She became angry. She was despondent. He said she had basically given up that God or anything could make a difference. And then that Wednesday night, we had a Bible study about prayer and about healing. And at the end of our time, we asked if anybody wanted to be prayed for uh, and that we would pray. And she did. We, we held hands. We gathered around her. Some of us, I think, put hands on her shoulder. We just simply prayed that, that Jesus would be with her, would love her, would, would bring her heart's desire, the thing that she needed. Dave said when she got home that day that she was literally a changed person. I asked him to write it down. So let me read to you just what he, what he said. She came home, sat down with me, and told me that the group had prayed fervently for her, for our infertility, and laid hands on her, and she said that it filled her with the Spirit. What I witnessed was like nothing I'd seen before. She left home that night, this bitter and broken soul whom I loved and was helpless to help, and she came home transformed with renewed hope and a new outlook. I swear, he said, it was like her heart had been swapped. Not that, not that Cheryl necessarily believed that she would get pregnant now, but, but she was at a point where she was at peace no matter what happened. She knew that she was loved by God. The transformation was so amazing to Dave that Dave decided to come to church to get involved to see what this transformation was all about. They both got involved. They both went through adult confirmation. They both were baptized. But listen, y'all, here's the wonderful, wonderful little twist in the story. In a few weeks, she found out she was expecting, and in nine months, she had a beautiful little baby boy. Here's how it works. If we don't pray, if we never pray, we're, we're never going to see anything amazing happen. We're, we're never going to be able to share the love that we know in Christ with other people. But if we'll pray, do when we pray, sometimes we're going to see some pretty amazing things happen. And beyond that, people are always going to feel God's love. They're going to know how God looks at them and sees them and is concerned for them and cared for them. I mean, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who labor. I will give you rest. And our job as Jesus followers is simply to make it possible for people to experience that. And we do that when we pray. When we pray in our families, 
when we pray with our neighbors, when we pray with our friends, when we pray as a church, we're going to do that today when we offer new prayer stations. It's a way to experience God's love and presence with us and to know that God has worked for healing and wholeness in your life for wonderful things. What a blessing it is. We have this Lord who's at work in this world and who wants to use and bless you and me as a part of that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.